glad to have you with me again. You're welcome to Expose, your one-stop place for biblical insights. We're continuing part three of the beauty of sex when done right. We began this discussion a couple of weeks ago, about two, three episodes ago, and we're looking at what makes sex beautiful and the beauty of it when it's done right. In episode one, I talked about sex as an act and as an orientation. We're able to see the different orientations of sex. And in episode two, we're able to continue the discussion on what makes it wrong, having defined what makes it right. And the beauty of it went on right. I concluded that episode by narrating an incident of what happened a couple of years ago. And the purpose of that narration is to make it clear that everything we do has a consequence. In life on its own, there is no room to act and pretend as if there is no effect to the act. So, sex as its own, as an act, as an orientation, whatever way we choose to express it has both an effect on us and on the community and the people we are connected to. So, in today's discussion, we'll be proceeding on what I've already introduced. I want you to stay tight with me. I am Godzilla Lembe. If you have not subscribed, please kindly click the subscribe button so that I can always get all the amazing gist and facts that are coming. God bless you. So, as any other thing that is done on earth, we've been able to establish that there is a consequence to every act. For sex, God made it available to us as men. And he defined us by it. So in creation, he gave us both an orientation as males and females and gave us the capacity to get involved in sex as an act. So quickly, there's a blessing attached to whatever God has made available. The Bible says when God made the male and female, he blessed them. So there is a blessing. So the beauty of sex, when taking it in the perspective of the Yoto, is that the blessings he has blessed man and woman with follows us. In the absence of that blessing, there is always a cause because nature and cause no vacuum. Doing it right keeps you away from the causes associated with breaking the hedge because the Bible makes it clear that he who breaks the hedge, the serpent will bite. Number two, our inheritance and authority in the kingdom is secure. The Bible speaking to us in 1 Corinthians 6 18 says, Flee fornication because every sin which a man do is outside the body, but doing fornication is sin against his own body. <coughs> So, deploying sex and fornication on its own is stated as something that is not proper. Most importantly because it brings us to that place where we get involved with things we shouldn't get involved with, not because we can't, but because it is a sin against our own body. When a man has sold off himself, saying, Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and personal Savior, and has made up his mind to live for Christ, and that trade that it happened free of charge someone paid for it jesus paid for it and because he paid for it we are bought with a price and if we are bought with a price we need to respect the fact that our body is a temple of the holy ghost the bible said something quite exciting when he was speaking to us i'm still in furtherance of what we do with our body in the book of romans chapter 12 and specifically verse 20 he said i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. There is a demand not to conform to this world in verse 2, 
and the capacity not to conform to this world comes by renewed mind by the transformation the reason because if we subject ourselves to the way things are done here there are consequences attached to it avoid bringing hurting experiences to the church and to ourselves is a third reason why we need to um, employ sex right when we employ it wrong we, we bring in experiences to our own life to the church to the community that everyone suffers we bring in things that were not part of the system and it's so unfortunate that a lot of times we fail to understand that we're part of the system the human body is is well coordinated if something happens to any part of the body the whole body suffers it the same thing happens to every member of a community every member of a family and every member of the global world so it becomes very very important that we avoid experiences that will hurt the people we are connected to most importantly because we value those people we value our relationships now um, that's the thought thing we're looking at in the beauty of it so one way to celebrate the people we are connected to is to celebrate what is appreciated and welcome in the community being a member of a church puts a demand on us in the experience I shared in the last episode, the outcome of what happened wasn't really serious, but there's an expectation for every man. There's an expectation for every level. So where God has placed you as either a church member, a church leader, a community member, a community leader, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a cousin, a niece, someone, there is a responsibility that comes with that. In Genesis chapter 38 and verse 15, it says, And Judah saw her and taught her to be hallowed. Because she had she had veiled her face now and he turned aside to her by the roadside and said come now let me come into you for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law and he said what will you give me that you may come into me he gave his signet and his staff now he 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 was supposed for some of us I know the story she had married um to his to his son who died he gave her to the second he died and he was being careful not to give out his only remaining child because he doesn't want that to happen. So he sent her home. And on his usual day out one day, he thought about um, hooking up with one lady out there. Unknown to him, he was hooking up to his daughter-in-law. Now, the outcome of that was that it brought in a public embarrassment to him as a person. Secondly, we can see that do that after that. Um, the, the, the story of the Bible, when you look at at what point exactly did a king emanate from the king from the lineage of judah judah is supposed to be the king he's supposed to be like the like the head man but unfortunately he has given his signature and his staff and the and the child that came forth from that act by law is not allowed to come into the temple he's not allowed to be partaker of what is happening if you read in this in, 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 in matthew chapter one in the genealogy of jesus we can see that it took 10 extra generations before a king could emanate from that lineage. So it might be something so minute, something we do not see the end consequences of it because we're so engrossed in the excitement of the moment. Or we're able to uh, um, to come up with a way to deal with the matter at the moment because if they were able to handle the matter at the moment, little did they know that's gonna rob his generation of the capacity to step into kinship until 10 generations to come. Number four thing we need to understand is above all things, um, we defile our body, thus hindering the move of God. Now, we all know that it is a general um, believed concept that everybody goes for the best. 
you want to go for the best wife, the best husband, the best car, the best house, whatever is best you can afford is what you want to go for. Now look at it this way. If God made you an eye in his image and there is something in you that tells you go for the best, I think it's something you inherited from the, your maker, something that your maker has put in you. So if he's putting it in me to go for the best, it simply means he naturally goes for the best because he makes us, he made us in his likeness. So he goes for the best and he expects us to go for the best. When we subject our body to acts that makes us less than we should be, we make ourselves less than the best. We make ourselves less available for what God wants to do. The Bible speaking says in the house, there are so many vessels. There are so many vessels. A Christian, a Christian that is a vessel unto honor is one that is sanctified, consecrated, and, and is truly and always set aside for the master's use. Now, he says in, in, in 2 Timothy 2 verse 21, his, um, verse 20 rather, he says, A large house contains not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some indeed are for honorable use, but others are for common use. So if anyone cleanses himself of what is unfit, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, and prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passion and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Oh, what a lovely, lovely scripture. So, we can see um, the letter speaking to us once again on the need to pursue a pure heart or the need to be useful for the master. Now, people, someone will say, um, what exactly am I supposed to do? Now, the thing is that you, we all know that businessmen are mindful of what they do. Our maker, the creator of the whole world, of the universe, is a businessman. He doesn't just go about doing things anyhow. He didn't create you out of circumstantial uh, um, what happens. You are a, a solution to a problem he saw ahead of time. So he had plans for you. He had an intention for you. But the system we live in naturally pulls things to the negative. So he expects you to know that. I didn't send you down here because I'm jobless. I didn't send you down here because I just want someone to be born out there. I have a mandate. All that you will see it. All that you will come to me and hear from me. And learn from me what I'm about to do. What I'm about to make happen in the future that you are a part of. But for you to be involved in that, you need to be fit for the assignment. You need to be properly trained, prepared for the assignment. So the question is, are you fit? Are you prepared for the assignment? Are you ready for what the master has? In place for you what is preparing for you and for me beautiful enough the fifth thing we'll be looking at is when we take on sex both as an act and as an orientation in the light of what it does it enforces the beauty of God's creation it enforces the beauty of the architectural makeup of Oh, what beautiful it is for a man and a woman who leaves his father's house and his mother's house and come together as a couple and they enjoy their love together. Oh, what a pleasure it is when people understand that, hey, my love is supposed to be towards my wife. 
passionate love. That is what it's supposed to be. The, the, the love God expects for us to love our neighbor is there, but getting involved romantically, sexually, is supposed to be towards a woman, and that woman should be my wife. If it ever comes towards any woman, the right thing to do is that woman should be made my wife. Alright, so um he says, Oh, do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Ghost? which you have from God, and you are not of yourself. It makes it possible for the Holy Ghost to dwell in man. And when the Holy Ghost dwells in man, the outcome is supernatural. Because the Holy Ghost is supernatural. When it has, in any form, achieved fellowship with man, the outcome is supernatural. Um, very importantly, when God finished creating everything, he made it, the Bible said, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Anything that tempers it makes it less good than it was. And number 16, we need to say about the beauty of it is that it preserves the original intention of God's um, creation. God had a mindset when he was making man. And God, and the Bible recorded that God made man, made them both male and females. So, how do I ensure that sex is done right? How do we ensure that sex is done right? Number one, a principle that I must employ to ensure that I engage in sex as well as nothing as orientation right is I need to equip my mind with sound knowledge. Sound knowledge. The, uh, a common saying says that the, the, the eye sees what the mind or what the heart knows. So what we need to do is to prepare our mind, prepare the being, prepare the foundation with proper knowledge. And that's a secret behind the latest um, in Joshua when it said in Joshua 1.8, it says this book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth and you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be on guard to do according to all that is written in it so a man lives out of the abundance of what he knows whether live instantaneously or we live by knowledge and trust me the best way to live is by knowledge and the best knowledge to live by is a knowledge that comes from he that is your author the knowledge that comes from your maker that is the best knowledge to journey by so, Psalm 119 verse 34, Father Spirit says, Make me understand and I will keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. So, knowing, having the, the knowledge of the, of the word of God, having the knowledge of the instruction is principal to keeping the, the knowledge. And in Philippians 1 9, it says, And this I pray that your love may yet abound more and more in full knowledge and all perception. So, love, having the capacity to do what God expects from us, only comes from knowledge. Philippians 1.10 further says, For you to distinguish the things that differ, that you may be sincere and without blame, for the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of, the, of righteousness through Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. Number two, we must learn to pray fervently. Pray fervently. So, a common saying says a prayerless man is a powerless man. Now, believe it or not, when you do not connect your electrical devices to a source of energy they run out and they become less useful to you or you basically can use them to achieve anything maybe for self-dependent systems even the self-dependent system they need a source they will need solar energy they will need some form of renewable energy so when the source of the energy is out of it it becomes less useful to you so that takes us exactly back to what prayer does to the life of a Christian. When you pray, you give yourself an opportunity to connect to your source. You get capacity, you get ability, you get energy. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 9 says, For we rejoice when we are weak and you are powerful. But we pray for this, also your perfection. 
So prayer allows us to connect to the source so that we can be able to stay rigid in the drive for perfection. Unmoved, fixed, and targeted. Another very important thing we must do if our sex, our act, and orientation must be right is we must keep the right company. Birds of a feather, they still flock together. And Second Samuel 13 verse 5, And Jonadab said unto him, Lie down on your bed, and pretend to be ill, and your father will come to see you. And you shall say to him, Please, my sister Tamar, come and give me food to eat. And she shall make the food before my eyes, so that I may see and eat from her hand. Now, that is a counsel that is coming from Jonadab. Jonadab, we all know, is afraid. Now, that is not a problem. But the kind of friend he is, is where the problem lies. He is a friend that gives negative suggestions. He's a friend that gives insane, crazy ideas. That kind of a friend speaks out of the abundance of his heart. The abundance of his heart shows that the word of God is lacking in him. And if the word of God is lacking in him, if you're going to live your life by the precepts and dictates of the word of God, you must learn to keep friends whose life is driven and full with a desire and passion for the word of God. Now, we see here that the single act he got involved with, in as much as there is already a, 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 an act by their father that had brought in a cause and, and, and has found a way to express himself, but keeping the right company will have made it impossible for him to be an open door unto that happening. We must learn as number 14 if we're going to succeed in this journey to resist the temptation. Oh, temptation is real. Even, even Jesus was tempted. Everyone you know that lived on the earth has been tempted. If you journey in the land of the living, one thing you will never fail to meet is temptation. So, if everyone is going to meet temptation, what exactly are we supposed to do with temptation? Every time it comes, fall for it? No. You don't write exams to fail, you write an exam to pass, and when you pass, you go to the next level. So if you're going to keep advancing in your journey of life to be a better person, to be useful for your maker and your master, you must be able to pass these temptations. Well, beautifully enough, the scripture says something in the book of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except that that is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Amazing promise. Amazing promise. Now, there, there could be no comfort in knowing that when I'm tempted, there is a way out. The challenge is that a lot of us don't look for the way out. We only see the closed door. We only just look, okay, this thing is right before me. Ah, it's so attractive, it's beautiful, it's appealing. We don't see beyond it. We don't look around. We don't listen. We don't want to open our eyes to the reality around. Something was there before the temptation showed up. What exactly was there? What exactly is after the temptation? What are the outcomes and the consequences of us lying before me? So, we must learn to resist the temptation. And, 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 and um, Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says, For this is God's will, your sanctification, for you to abstain from fornication. So, with regards to sex, fornication, adultery, and all manner of sexual immorality, the will of God for you, for me, is to abstain from it. And, and in verse 4, he further says that each one of you to know to possess his vessel in sanctification. He's talking about your body. Be, hold your body in dignity. 
extol who you are. See the beauty in who you are. See what God was trying to make out of you when he was making you. The devil may have tried to change one or two things about you. May have made an attempt to alter one or two things about you. To give you reason to wonder, did God really allow me to come this way like this? It doesn't still change the fact that God is interested in something. He wants you to just do him a little favor. Can you uphold your destiny and sanctification? And if only you will do that, oh, and not in passion of lust, even as the nations do around, who do not know God, then you will see the finger of God made manifest in your life. And number five, and the final thing to ensure that sex is done right, is remember to be content and believe God for the right moment for the right person. There is a hyperdrive for sex everywhere. Teenagers, young people, adults, and married people, everywhere there's a corruption of sex happening everywhere. But the Bible says, be content. And I love the way the Bible puts it in Proverbs 5, 15 to 19. It says, drink water out of your own system. Out of your own system. And running waters out of your own well. Should your overflowing springs be scattered outside like rivers of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not the strangers with you. Let your fountains be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. She is a loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you every time and always be ravished in her love. What a wonderful scripture. Speaking to us about the man ensuring that his, that his system is his. It's speaking about the wife, that lady you want to hug, that lady you want to get involved with. Let it be yours. Let it be someone that is entitled as yours. That a man you want to go for being entitled as yours. If that happens, you shouldn't go about overflow. Even if, if you feel, oh, my erection, my excitement is going overflow, is going over borders, I need to spill it out there. Let him only be your own and not to strangers with you. Because there's going to be strange women, there's going to be strange men, there's going to be strange companies, strange friends. But then, to the man he says, rejoice with the wife of your youth. And I'm saying to the woman, rejoice with the husband of your youth. So in conclusion, sex is truly a wonderful experience and a beautiful way to define man. emotional connection, belonging, identification, and a room for spiritual bonding as an art. However, the present advertisement of sex and hyperdrive for it has been a battle for all minds, not only respecting who you are, you really need from those things. And like many others, you are perhaps feeling overwhelmed with sexual sins. But I want you to remember. God's promise to forgive and always love you and yours forever. There is grace available for us to move forward in healing from hurtful sexual choices and into a place of fulfillment. Thank you for being with me this time. I encourage you to subscribe if you haven't and share this. God bless you. See you again.